Kaminsky, author of Eight Bears, and that's Eight Bears Mythic Past and Imperiled Future. So that's it's an eight species of bears. One would think there would be more, Gloria. Uh, they, only they eight, eight mean, species throughout the whole world, right? They would, and there there did used to be more, and especially when you think about you know how many cat species there are, how many dog species, monkeys, but there's only eight, only eight bears left. It's a very manageable number for a book. <laughs> and if somebody is listening to this and says, "Well, what's this about?" Um, this isn't eight individual bears that you got to know or followed, but rather kind of a globe trotting exercise on your part. And you're you're a reporter with Reuters and covering uh, global conditions and the changing world. And uh, you went all over the place for this one because, you know, I think most of our listeners perhaps are, are aware of black bears, brown bears and and grizzly bears or polar bears. But there's some other bears out there that maybe you aren't as familiar with. Uh, I found it interesting, the sloth bear, mm. um, because I never really knew about the sloth bear. And it's in India. It used to be yeah. what pretty widespread, but it's it's habitat is kind of like we're hearing so often is is vanishing or, or shrinking. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be more widespread Bangladesh, you know, parts of Bhutan. Um, but most people have never has a very misleading name. Most people would think, oh, this must be such a kind, cuddly, slow moving bear. But it is, in fact, um, the world's deadliest bear species. And most people, I think, you know, in the U.S. have have never heard of this creature. And, you know, in your book and we're talking with Gloria Dickey about the research she did on on the bears around the world that the, you may or may not know about. But this bear. um what encroaches on four people in India? I mean, that seemed to be a an area where the the impact is felt the most, right? I mean, uh, villages uh, where folks are, you know, just small villages are uh, are subject to to I won't say attacks, but contact. Yeah, well, I mean, attacks, attacks is accurate. I think, you know, whether or not the bears are encroaching on them or, you know, vice versa, they're, they're encroaching yeah. on the bears. That may be up for dispute. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, I they attack dozens to hundreds of people, you know, every year across India. And, um, you know, for that reason, they're kind of considered the deadliest of the eight bear species. But that's also just because they live alongside so many people. We don't we don't have millions of people, you know, living super close to polar bears. So, um, right. you know, right. <laughs> I, I in your book and, and, and Gloria Dickey is the author here. Um you said, yeah. You know, well, one of the things you covered, and you know, it's it's sort of fascinating because bears, as we all know, have such a big part in our world. Uh, I'm talking about fictional bears, uh, and and you kind of relate to that with Rupert Paddington, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, but I think the the one that got me the the the, the little the line that you had was a Baloo in the Jungle Book <laughs> should have been a sloth bear. Yeah, I don't think he was pictured as one by by Kipling. He was called a brown bear or something, but he should have been a sloth bear because that's what would have been in India. And he was more yeah. inclined to disembowel Mowgli than tutor him. And I thought that's that's a whole different story there, isn't it? Yeah, India actually. Fun fact: India actually has the most bear species of uh, any country. They've got four of the world's bears, but in that particular region where Kipling was was describing the Jungle Book, that would have been around kind of Kana, and that would have been the sloth bears is is what lives there. And and you know the the thing you, you're a reporter that deals with uh, the environment, and and I think sometimes we just need to be made aware of things. 
just sort of a passing comment in your book, India's population has nearly doubled since the 80s. And I thought, wow, uh, that's, it, it, you know, I, I know China and India are the two most populous countries, but that's sort of remarkable when you realize, um, you know, what, well, in my, in, in my old uh, life, uh, the 80s is not that distant. And that's, that's quite a, you know, that's quite a mark. Yeah. And of course, you know, it creates that contested space where all the animals, whether it's, you know, sloth bears or tigers or Asian elephants, you know, they're pushed to the the fringes and you do have more conflict between between people and animals. And, you know, India has done a lot to kind of mitigate that conflict with tigers, but that also leaves some of the less, you know, known, less charismatic species, um, you know, kind of pushed <laughs> almost into more conflict because land is being preserved for tigers. Um, that was an interesting thing that I kind of, you know, some of the scientists said that to me when I when I was traveling throughout rural India. You know, that's true, because I kind of felt in your book, I kind of felt sorry for the sloth bear because, you know, I know he's a cantankerous bear that, you know, one does not want to cross. But at the same time, he has to deal with tigers and, and, you know, uh, irate villagers and, and, you know, and understandably why there might be irate if their brother got, you know, attacked or something. But it just seems, as you said, you're getting kind of a double whammy, these, these poor animals. Uh, too many people and, and the climate's changing. It's almost like, uh, wow, what, you know, where do we go for, for refuge? Yeah, I think for me, like with this book, you know, each bear kind of represented a different environmental issue that was that was facing the world. So with sloth bears, yeah, it's, you know, population growth and habitat loss pushing these bears into conflict, climate change with the spectacled bear in the Andes and the polar bear in the Arctic. And then you have the wildlife trafficking issue in traditional medicine with um, moon bears or Asiatic black bears in, in Asia as well. So each kind of each bear can kind of act as a lens through which we can view, I guess, a different, you know, issue or crisis point in, in the natural world. And, you know, you mentioned the, the bear in Vietnam, the, uh, is that sun bear, moon bear? I, I, uh, I it's moon that. bears and sun, so two, two different species, moon bears and sun bears. Uh, moon bears are also known as Asiatic black bears, but and they're the victim. Tell people, you know, briefly, you know, what's the issue there? Because I think it's, it's sort of a, one of those medicinal things, right? Yeah. So moon bears have long been poached for their gallbladders because it's believed that bear bile is an effective cure for a whole variety of ailments um, in, in traditional Chinese medicine. And to some extent, that's not untrue. Bear bile does have, you know, legitimate medicinal properties that the researchers at you know universities have found. It um, can be treated for, you know, they're looking into experiments on Parkinson's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease with with bear bile. But that's not what most people are using it for. You know, they're they're ingesting some bear bile for a hangover, for a common cold, for sore joints. Um, but essentially, what's happened is, you know, beginning I think in the 1980s, um, they began, you know, thinking, oh, let's farm these bears instead of, you know, poaching and killing them and carving out their gallbladders. We will keep them as kind of permanent captives on these farms with a, you know. The extraction method differs from country to country, but in some cases they would have a catheter draining the bile out of their gallbladder. Um, in other cases, they would be knocked out every few weeks with ketamine and they would go and harvest the bile from the gallbladder then. Um, but what's what's happened is that's really depleted um, wild bear populations as well, because these bears can't be bred on farms. They're, they're taking them from the wild to put to put into captivity for the bear bile trade. Mm. It reminds me of the uh, rhino horn thing and where countries like China and so forth right. believe there's great medicinal 
uh, power and, and don't mind wiping out a species to, uh, to, to get that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, but but, no rhino farms. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. now, yeah. The, it, what's your take as far as where it's going is it's now they're banned. The farms are banned. Are they making a comeback or is that yet to be seen? So it varies a lot by country. Um, China has a huge industry still, and that's kind of the global hotspot of, of bare bile farming. However, Vietnam has been making an effort to try and close all the farms. The deadline was 2022. COVID has pushed that back a little bit, um, but they said they wanted to get every single bear left on a bear bile farm into sanctuary um, by the end of 2022. And they, they're they almost there. Um, but the, the issue has been capacity at some of these sanctuaries. So we've seen a lot of um, NGOs trying to open sanctuaries in the past few years to, to take some of these really, you know, old and sick bears. Some of these bears have been, you know, in cages for 15 years and they're trying to get them out and to live their final days um, in peace. We're, we're talking with Gloria Dickey about uh, the state of bears. Um, and it's, you know, overall, it's, it's, are you, are you depressed by it or you, 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 it's a mixed bag or what, what's your overall sentiment, Gloria? Yeah, I mean, I think as an environment correspondent in general, it's it's perhaps the <laughs> hard to not be a bit of a cynic. Um, you know, there's there's so many issues facing you know not just the climate but biodiversity as well. And um, you know, six of the eight bear species are threatened with extinction. Um, there's only a few that are kind of secure throughout their range. And I think there are certain bears that I think you know we are are hopeful. Pandas, you know. China's invested a ton of money and time and resources into bringing the panda back from from extinction, the edge of extinction rather. Um, but I do think that you know for certain bears, especially with issues that are hard to address like climate change, so you know the polar bear is losing its its sea ice home. Um, the clouds are moving further up the mountains, which could po pose issues for for the spectacled bear, which lives in in the cloud forests in South America. Those are issues that are quite difficult to tackle and we are not moving in the correct direction and it's you know it's really hard to envision a future where polar bears are still around into 2150 um and you know most polar bear scientists will tell you that so i think um yes it can be it can be depressing and it can be a bit gloomy but i do think that there's also you know scientists and people on the front lines here who are who are pushing really hard to to save what's left and to try and guarantee that you know bears still move with us um you know, into the future. Your your book uh, <clears throat> presents some uh, sort of fascinating history in cases like, uh, let's bring it back to the United States, where uh, was it Yosemite or Yellowstone, where the feeding areas were set up in the 20s? Where, it was where, where, primarily Yosemite, although I think Yellowstone did also try to go that route <laughs> as well. Um, and, and, of course, I flashed to, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about fictional bears earlier, uh, you know, Yogi Bear, uh, Jellystone Park, where, where he he nabbed picnic baskets. Uh, you know, uh, much to the uh, dismay of the, the ranger or whatever. Uh, I'm showing my knowledge here of science uh, in this one, but um, I, I can't believe it that they actually set up where they designed. Uh, you know, the the parks, maybe Yosemite primarily, where they said, okay, we'll we'll kind of make the bears an attraction. And and have people feed them? Or was it in their dump? Is that where they they showed off the the bears? Or what was? How did that go again? 
Yeah, I mean, they the bears were being drawn to the dumps within the parks, and you know they kind of noticed that tourists were gathered there to watch to watch these Bruins, you know, feasting on their leftovers, and then they kind of tried to establish it um, as more of a you know commercial attraction. Even so, in some places they had you know bleachers near the bear feeding areas, um, and it was also used as a tool as well to to try and draw all the bears into kind of a concentrated area. Um, thinking that, oh, well, now the bears won't get into the campsites. We'll keep them centered in this kind of well-managed uh, location. But, you know, of course, bears are bears. They're not <laughs> the cuddly yogi bear of, mm -hmm. of, of literature and, and, mm -hmm. and movies. And, uh, you know, people were getting you know clawed, cuffed, mauled, bitten by these bears. Um, you know, it led to a real crisis point in, in some of America's national parks. Yeah, and that's the... Um, uh the the marauding bears i think is, is the line you have in there the uh what i was thinking with the bears was the grizzly bear which is uh another uh, sort of uh endangered species right because i think you've got a line in there that says without wilderness the grizzly would cease to exist and without the grizzly wilderness is tamed deprived of its monarch um, so we've got a case of what, vanishing wilderness in, in many parts of the, the country and in and, and your, your country, Canada. Yeah. Is, is that so, the case or, or you think there's, there's safety there? I think so. To People often get this mixed up. So grizzly bears are a subspecies of brown bears. They're not a species unto themselves. And they actually are not considered globally endangered. Oh, because good. there's such large expanses in northern Canada and in you know places like Russia, um, but within the U.S., they are very threatened. Right? There's been constant legal legal um, battles over whether or not to continue protecting grizzly bears. You know, in Yellowstone, they're looking at um, the northern continental divide around Glacier National Park now, because you have fewer than than three thousand bears, I think, uh, across the the. U.S. remaining outside of Alaska. Um, so that's kind of the lower 48 grizzly is the one where, yes, there is, you know, vanishing wilderness and also just hostile sentiments towards um, bears and predators and things that can kill your cows or your sheep, right? People don't want to be protecting um, something that's capable of, of even killing them. You know, one of the things that, and I, I guess I'm showing my bias here um, in terms of hunting, because you know the the I, you know hunting is a right, and I can understand somebody whose cattle is being attacked, being upset, and that sort of thing. But it just seems there's a um, a bloodlust that that just uh, you know just as we've seen with the guns and all the, all the violence, it's it's exposed, and the animals are exposed to that too. And um, I was thinking when you're talking about the dumps in the parks of uh, days of old. I think, and this is, I'm showing my age here, but um, there was an old CBS documentary on hunting years ago, probably in the 60s, uh, maybe 70s, I can't remember. But it led with the idea of a guy staking out a dump to catch a bear, to shoot a bear. Mm. And it, I think it was, it, it was, it caught the nerve of the public because they didn't like that. That, that seemed like unsporting. And I don't know if that's still the case, unfortunately, because... Now it seems like you can use all these tricky things, lights and, yeah. you know, things to catch them. Is, is that a concern of yours? Well, so so I think actually Alaska had a rule where you were allowed to bait black bears with donuts. That was quite contentious. Oh, yes. Um, yes, I remember that. Yeah. But yeah. It, it is still, so it's, it's, it's still, it's not legal to hunt um, 
grizzly bears in, in the lower 48. There has been a push, and I don't know if you recall a few years ago when, when initially the grizzly bear was removed from the, the Endangered Species Act, they were hoping to open up a legal trophy hunt uh, for, for grizzly bears. Um, and that was quashed by uh, a judge and they returned to the, to the endangered species list. Um, but, you know, I, it, it's, it's interesting too, because I think that when I was traveling across the U.S. doing some reporting on this, you know, people were really upset about wolves. Wolves right. was like the most kind of vitriol you got. And they, they tended to be a bit more lenient towards grizzly bears. And they didn't really have that same hatred for for bears that they did for wolves. Um but, you know, I, I think it comes down to the, the, that fear mechanism and, again, being protective of cattle and livestock. Um, that's kind of like the concern for these people who are out, you know, taking care of their cows. But, you know, we are seeing a push towards, I guess, some kind of um, pretty harsh harsh legislation in places like Montana. One of the most kind of striking moments for me when I was reporting was that I I'd, I'd interviewed the the basically the man who was in charge of recovering grizzly bears in the U.S. for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, and I'd spoken to him many times over the years, and he was always so adamant that grizzly bears in Yellowstone be removed from the endangered species list because they'd recovered. And, and then he retired, and I interviewed him again. I think this was in 2020, maybe 2021. And I asked if he still thought that, and he was he was quite uh, he was quite strict that no, he thought they should not uh, be removed anymore because of how regressive um, the Montana legislature was going. This really anti wildlife bills, you know, they were introducing. Mm-hmm. So he he completely changed his stance. Yeah, and that's yeah because I know around well, I think around the world, but certainly I've heard of uh, bounties being offered for certain animals, not not so much bears. Uh, but I think uh, coyotes and raccoons and things like that. Um, and that's that seems to be, uh, you know, again, anti-wildlife because, you know, you're, you're setting a bounty up. I mean, this is like, you know, really? I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of whole lot of sense. People just going out and wholesale killing uh, animals that maybe aren't doing anything and, uh, you know, to them anyway. But that's uh, another issue. Uh, I have a question for you. Have you ever read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon by Stephen King? I have not. Ah, okay. Put that on your list. Put that on your list at some time. I I won't say any more because, you know, people, ah, you give it away. But uh, you might, you might, um, I I would be interested in your opinion about that after you read it. Noted. I will look that up. (laughs) Now, there there you go. You see, you don't get that in every interview, a a book to read after the, uh, the program. But uh, anyway, well, Gloria, what's next for you? I mean, you're obviously keeping busy with um, the reporting that you're doing for Reuters uh, based in London. Um, you travel quite a bit? Uh, to some extent. We, yeah, we cover, you know, the climate negotiations and conferences. Um, you know, when I was reporting the book, I was traveling. You know, I, I got to kind of follow the bears to all their ranges. Um but no, for the foreseeable future, I will be continuing to, you know, report on climate change and its impacts and and biodiversity loss, which, of course, includes bears uh, around the world. Well, I remind folks once again, uh, Gloria's book, Gloria Dickey's book is Eight Bears, Mythic Past and Imperiled Future. And uh, it'll be available this summer in July. And uh, Gloria, we thank you so much for your time because um, fascinating book. Uh, you know, I love the, the, some of the comments that I've seen uh, made about it. Uh, some folks, author, other authors and, and reviewers 
really like it. And, uh, you know, you've made it so enjoyable. I mean, it's, it's a tough subject when you, uh, you know, as you say, when you look at the imperiled uh, future of some of these uh, bears as a result of human involvement. But at the same time, uh, I think, you know, we need to know the story. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me. And I hope people are able to learn a little bit more about the eight bears and some of those lesser known species that don't always get the spotlight. Thanks, Gloria. Take care now. Thank you. Bye-bye.